Each week as I preach, I try very hard not to talk down to you. I don't ever want anyone to think that I am some flawless spiritual giant lecturing you about how to live your lives. I want you to see me as a fellow traveler, as a follower of Jesus, who just like you deals with the very real challenges of living by faith. This morning, I'm symbolizing the reality of this by speaking from the floor rather than from the platform, speaking to you on the same level as you. And I'm doing this specifically because of the topic we are addressing. We're wrapping up our series of messages on loving our neighbor. And to be quite blunt, this is an area where many of us, including me, are failing. A few years ago, our church was growing and we were baptizing two or three people every month. Now we're not growing. We're not reaching people who are far from God. And as a result, we only baptize a few people each year. This means you and I must, we must rekindle our passion for our mission, the mission given to us by Jesus and summarized by the banners on the walls to know Him to love Him, to share Him. And we're not doing very well at the sharing part. We're a bit stuck. And to get us unstuck, I want to focus on one very natural way to share God's love, to share it with the people next door, the people who live right around us, to share God's love in the neighborhoods where God has providentially placed you and me. We're not in our neighborhoods by accident. So I stand here with you this morning, believing that God wants to challenge all of us in this area of life. And thankfully, we're not in this alone. Our mission flows out of our life together, as we see from the example of the early church. Look with me at the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. This is Dr. Luke writing about the history of the early church, and he says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. This passage makes it clear that the life of faith always is centered in community because we cannot be spiritually healthy if we live in isolation. So when we become a Christian, we not only become a follower of Jesus, we become part of a new community called the church. And as we, you and me, the church, as we focus on what is most important, God works in us and through us to create a community that is attractive. As I read this description here in the book of Acts, I find it attractive, don't you? And God wants us to understand that we each have a part to play in creating a community that is attractive to us and attractive to outsiders. And this passage shows us that an attractive community has a healthy balance between learning 
and living. So we devote ourselves to biblical teaching, not just to add to our knowledge, though, but to gain the wisdom we need for life. So we take what we learn, and then we live out our faith in community. And we socialize together, and we have fun together. We dine together. We intentionally engage in spiritual conversation so we can build each other up in the faith. We serve together. We pray together. And as we spend time with each other like this, we build ever deeper relationships and we learn to be transparent with each other. We cannot build a healthy community where we hide behind masks of self-righteousness and pretend that everything is okay when it's not. And so there's a time to talk about the Ducks game or families or whatever else we're interested in or passionate about at that moment. But there's also a time to go deeper. There's a time to approach that brother or sister in God's family and say, how are you really doing? How can I pray for you? And there's a time to take off the mask and to say to another member of God's family, I am struggling right now. Will you pray for me? It's no accident that prayer is listed as a key ingredient in a healthy community of faith because prayer is powerful. When we pray, something always changes. And prayer encourages us. It makes a difference in our lives. And at the same time, it also can be a testimony to outsiders. One Sunday, I was talking in the lobby with a visitor, someone who was not a follower of Jesus, and had shown up that day to check us out simply out of spiritual curiosity. And while while I was interacting with this young man, a few feet away, two church members were talking, and I don't know what they were talking about. But at some point, they just quietly bowed their heads and began to pray with and for each other, right there in the church lobby. And the visitor saw this, and his eyes grew wide, and he said, Wow, I guess you guys really believe this stuff. And I said, Yes, we do. You see, in that moment, our community instantly became more attractive to our guest because he came in expecting to encounter only religious ritual. Instead, he encountered some people actually living out their faith. And so what God wants us to see in this passage is that the church is a unique community, a community built on God's truth and committed to life together as followers of Jesus, a community of caring and sharing and prayer that extends beyond Sunday and into and through the week as we participate in life groups and triads and social gatherings. And the result is that together, We create an attractive community that people want to be part of. Here at Gardenway, we do some of this reasonably well. Yet there always is room for improvement. We will become a more attractive community as we all focus less on me and more on we. We will become a more attractive community when we lay aside secondary issues such as partisan politics, 
or fretting over song selections and musical styles, or getting uncomfortable when the pastor changes the order of worship and communion is offered in a different place in the service. We will become a more attractive community when people see that we're not just grafting church life onto our otherwise busy schedules, but we're motivated by and driven by and shaped by our faith in Jesus. And the more we focus on what is most important, the things listed here in this passage, learning and growing and encouragement and fellowship and prayer, and the more we do this with glad and sincere hearts, the more attractive our community becomes. The early church lived this out. And as a result, as Dr. Luke tells us here, the surrounding community looked on them with favor. The larger community saw love and faith in action. And oh, was that attractive. And as a result, the believers were able to help spiritually adrift people get connected to God and His family. And Luke points that out at the end of this passage. Verse 47, continuing here, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, we often get so focused on the earlier verses about the nature of the church that we, we treat this last part of verse 47 as an afterthought. It's not an afterthought, though. It's, it's the climax of the story. It's the ultimate point. Drawing people to Jesus is the natural result of an attractive community of faith that also is a missional community. In other words, we don't just care for ourselves. We also care for outsiders because we have a mission from God, a mission to help people get connected to Jesus so they can be forgiven and become part of God's family. And here's the key. An attractive community becomes a missional community when we start actively loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. That's why Jesus gave this to us as part of the great commandment. We love God and we love others. And let's face it, people who are spiritually adrift won't learn about Jesus by osmosis. They will discover Jesus when we make the effort to love them. And yet we're not doing well at this part of our mission. Based on my own life and based on conversations with many of you, I know that most of us do not have close friendships with people who are far from God. Or if we do, we don't know how to move those relationships onto a spiritual level. Now as the Bible makes clear, and as we've seen through this series of messages, our neighbor can be anyone. However, I believe God wants us to zero in on our literal neighbors. He wants us to become more intentional about loving the people who live right around us. And I want to share some practical tips for doing this. But we need to be clear about one thing. People never are a project. They're human beings made in the image of God. You and I can't beat people over the head with the Bible. We cannot push or drag anyone to Jesus. God is the one who adds people to the church, as our passage makes clear. 
our mission is to love our neighbors. And as we do, we then create opportunities for the Holy Spirit to do His work. So to make this practical, I'd like you to reach into your program and take out the sheet titled, My Neighbor Relationships. If you don't have one, you'll find copies in the Welcome Center, and you can grab one after the service. And, and for now, you can follow along by looking at the screen. Some of you will remember this sheet because we looked at it three years ago. And we need to do it again because all of us, me included, need a refresher course. The boxes on this sheet represent the place where you live and your eight closest neighbors. If you live in a home in a typical neighborhood, then it's, it's the people next door to you and down the street and behind you and across the street. If you live in an apartment or residential community, then it's the people down the hall and around the corner or perhaps on the floor above you or below you. If you live in a semi-rural neighborhood like me, our neighbors are a bit more spread out. Yet we still have neighbors. If your home truly is isolated, then perhaps you need to think creatively. Think perhaps in terms of the people you work with at your place of employment. Wherever you live, wherever you work. Figure out who your closest neighbors are. And then consider the questions listed on the sheet, which you'll see on the next slide. These are questions about relationship, relationship with our neighbors. And here's my confession. I can't answer these questions for most of my neighbors because I don't know them well. Some of them I don't know at all. And many of you are in the same situation. And even if you do know some neighbors well, many of those relationships have not moved to a level where you actually spend significant time together. Because when we start spending time together, that's when God can show us how to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So how do we get started? Well, my wife Julie and I have taken some, some baby steps, and we've built a conversational relationship with one neighbor. It started when we gave him a simple homemade gift one Christmas, and he reciprocated, and we now exchange gifts every year. When we had the severe ice storm a few years ago and our street lost power, I went over to check on him to make sure he was doing okay. If I'm out in the yard working and I see him outdoors, I, I try to be willing to break into my schedule and stop what I'm doing and wander over and have a conversation just to continue to try to build that relationship. So we've broken the ice, but, but I want to move beyond this because I want to know how to love this neighbor as I love myself. And so I've started praying very specifically, Father, please show me the next step in this relationship. And I believe when we pray specific prayers, that God will give us specific answers. We have another neighbor, a husband and wife, that we've hardly ever seen. So I'm praying for them, and I'm getting ready to wander over and knock on their door, and I'm going to say something like this. You know, we've been neighbors for nine years, and I'm sorry that I've never even introduced myself. I just wanted to say hi. I'm going to take the initiative and see what happens. I know some of you have lived in your neighborhoods a long time. Maybe this example would apply to you. Let's take the initiative. Let's be intentional about building friendships with our neighbors so they can experience God's love through us. 
And so I'm going to introduce myself to this neighbor, and at the very least, then I'll have a name. And I can begin praying for that neighbor by name. And say, God, show me the next step in that relationship. How, though, can we move things to a deeper level? Well, here's what my friend Jeff did. He lived in a neighborhood at a time when his kids were young, and he made the decision that whenever he would play with his children outdoors, they would play not in the backyard, but in the front yard. He wanted to be out in the front so he could see his neighbors. And he and his kids would be playing, and a neighbor would pass by, and they'd stop playing and have a chat. He and his kids would be playing, they'd see a neighbor mowing the lawn across the street, they'd take a break, he'd wander over to say hi. Making connections, beginning relationships. Then he took what I thought was a master stroke. He put a basketball hoop up over his garage. Boy, that's a sure way to to draw a crowd in your neighborhood. And he invited the neighborhood over. Moms, dads, sons, daughters, come over and shoot hoops. Their home began to be a gathering place. Jeff and his wife started building friendships. And then it was very natural to say, hey, come on over to the house and let's watch a ball game together. Come on over and let's have a barbecue. Let's hang out. As Jeff's family got to know kids from other families, they would break into their schedule and take time to go watch the kids of these other families compete in a soccer game or or perform in a dance concert or a, a band concert or whatever it was that those kids were doing. And as these relationships grew, they found all kinds of opportunities to gently bring their faith into these relationships. would start out with just serving, So some would be in the hospital and they would visit, or someone would be sick and they would bring a meal. And then it moved to the conversational level. Someone would express a need and they would ask, is it okay if I pray with you about that? Let me pray and let's see what God might do. Because I do think that He listens to our prayers. Someone would be caught in a moral dilemma and they might say, I know you don't believe in God, but I once faced the same difficult choice that you did, and here's what God prompted me to do. I wonder if that might be a good solution for you. They were never pushy. They just tried to love people as they found them and get them thinking about the spiritual dimension of life. A number of Jeff's neighbor friends became curious about God, so Jeff invited them to visit his life group and then visit church on Sunday morning. And and they found the community of faith attractive as they encountered believers who were following Jesus with glad and sincere hearts. Jeff and his family lived on that street for 10 years. It was a street with 40 neighbors, and Jeff baptized 10 of them getting these spiritually adrift people connected to God and His church. It didn't happen by accident. It happened because Jeff was intentional about his mission, his mission to love his neighbors as he loved himself. And he built this mission into his schedule and into his prayers. By doing so, he created an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do His work. Maybe there's something you and I can learn from Jeff's approach. Maybe there's something about the way he built relationships in his neighborhood that you and I could adapt to our own circumstances. 
as a way to build better friendships in our own neighborhoods. Here's another example. I know a woman named Becky who moved to the Midwest, moved away from home, to attend graduate school when she was in her 20s. And her downstairs neighbor in her apartment building was a 70-year-old woman named Blanche. Their relationship did not start off very well. Becky was very social and constantly had friends over for a life group that she formed among her, her fellow graduate students. And they came over to pray and have Bible study and then to hang out. And on the other hand, Blanche lived alone and she'd had a rough life. She was a rather sour and bitter person. And she constantly complained about the noise that Becky and her friends made. Becky would regularly gripe to her friends about Blanche. And then one night at their life group, as she and her friends were praying and studying the scriptures, it, it dawned on her, oh yeah, Blanche, Blanche is my neighbor. And God doesn't want me to mock my neighbor, but to love my neighbor. So the next day, she baked some cookies, and she took them to Blanche's door and apologized for not always being a good neighbor. Blanche thanked her, took the cookies, and shut the door. Not a promising start. But Becky started praying for Blanche every day. Whenever she saw Blanche, she would say hi and try to have a brief conversation. Every few weeks, she would stop by with a little treat, perhaps some muffins or a loaf of fresh-baked bread from the bakery. Blanche slowly thawed and one day invited Becky in. They started to have coffee together every week or so, and, and Blanche gradually opened up about her life. She had been through a horrible marriage. All of her known relatives were dead, and she was alone and lonely. So Becky and her friends adopted Blanche. When Blanche got sick, they took her meals, and they drove her to doctor appointments. They threw her a birthday party, the first one Blanche had had in more than 20 years. I love the picture. A birthday party of just five young people in their 20s, and one old woman in her 70s. And Blanche had the time of her life. And as she softened her heart, she became something of a surrogate grandmother to these graduate students who all were far from home. One day Blanche said, why are you doing all of this for me? And Becky said, because of Jesus. He loves us. And we want you to experience his love through us. And that led to a series of conversations about God and the church. Blanche had seen a special kind of relationship between Becky and her Christian friends, and she was curious. So Becky said, why don't you join our life group? And she did. Blanche joined a young adult life group. And eventually she visited their church. And as she got exposed to Christian community, she was attracted by what she saw. Oh, she didn't see perfection, far from it. What she did see was people who took Jesus seriously, who were striving to love God and love each other and love their neighbors and help each other live by faith. 
The Holy Spirit used all of this to help Blanche realize that she was a sinner separated from God and that she could be forgiven and get a fresh start by placing her trust in Jesus, the Savior who died on the cross for her. A few months later, Becky baptized Blanche, a transformed Blanche. A Blanche who no longer was bitter and alone. A Blanche who was loved by God and God's people. A Blanche who loved God and who loved God's people in return. I love thinking about Becky and Jeff. Two different people. Two different neighborhoods. Two different stories. God worked through each of them to help spiritually lost people become saved. They became agents of transformation when they made the decision to love their neighbors. And they did so because they realized that this was a way for them to live out the mission of the church. And it's not just their mission, it's our mission too. Drawing people to Jesus is an essential part of what it means to be a healthy community of faith. And so I want each of us to take this sheet of neighbor relationships and start praying for our neighbors daily. And let's be willing to go out of our way to get to know them. And let's jot down on this sheet what we learned so we can pray for them more specifically. We can pray for them by name and pray about what's going on in their lives. Let's become their friends and love them as we love ourselves and look for opportunities to start spiritual conversations. Let's invite them into our homes. Let's invite them into our life groups. Let's invite them to our church so they can experience Christian community. And this is not something we can do out of guilt. It's not something we should do out of duty. We do this out of love. Love for God and love for our neighbors. And if we're faithful, who knows what God might do through you and through me. Pray. Be intentional about reaching out. And perhaps we just might be the agent of transformation in the life of one of our neighbors.